Welcome back to yet another episode of Shane B-Sides. Today, of course, you can tell from the title, we're going to be tackling our biggest discography ranking yet. Uh, we're going to be talking about David Bowie. Um, and this one is going to be so big, in fact, that I'm going to split it up into two different episodes. And of course, as I do with all of these album rankings, uh, the, you know, the further along I go, the more I'm going to talk about the album. Um, so this one will definitely be the shorter of the two. And I'm going to be talking about 26 uh, albums. I'm not counting the Labyrinth soundtrack since only half of that is uh, actually David Bowie. Uh, and I will say I do love Underground, do love As the World Falls Down. Uh, but yeah, like I said, not going to be discussing that one. I'm going to be talking about albums that are... David Bowie is just fully on the album. It's not like half and half. And uh, I am counting Buddha of Suburbia, uh, which I know is also a soundtrack. But you know, like I said, I'm going by what's fully David Bowie. Um, and uh, yeah, getting into some of my background uh, with Mr. Bowie... I have been a huge fan of his since, I want to say 10th or 11th grade in high school, and uh, I started off listening to the song Modern Love a lot. I don't remember how I found it, but I think I knew of Bowie and just knew that people considered him to be a cool older artist, and uh, you know, as I was uh, a teenager and I uh, wanted to get into, you know, what people thought were cool and uh, I was becoming a little annoying hipster kind of type. Um, I was like, I got to get into David Bowie. And eventually, you know, I worked my way back into the 70s stuff and realized uh, this guy's got a lot of really great music. And uh, I want to say by 12th grade, my senior year, I was a huge fan, just a diehard. Um, loved Ziggy Stardust, would listen to it all the time. Um, and, you know, as that year went on, I got more into, like, the Plastic Soul stuff, uh, like the mid-70s, 1975, 1976, and, of course, like, the Berlin Trilogy in the late 70s. And, uh, you know, I never got as into anything after the 80s um, up to probably the next day. I, I remember when the next day came out, and that was, you know, 2013, which was when I was really getting into his stuff. And uh, that was pretty exciting to, you know, it feels pretty surreal now that he's been uh, passed away for a few years. It's pretty surreal looking back at a time where, oh, there's a new David Bowie album out. Um, and uh, yeah, there was just a huge gap in between, I want to say, like Let's Dance and Tonight to, yeah, the next day in 2013. And then, of course, um, when he passed away in 2016, I, I was devastated and uh listened to black star the day it came out and uh really liked it and then of course you know like everybody else uh two days later he passed away and it just changed my whole perception of the album and i'm not saying like oh it's amazing just because he passed away but it is a really amazing album and uh obviously i don't think anyone could really tell from the jump what he was talking about in those lyrics but once all that became clear, it just blew my mind, and, uh, you know, of course, months and months after his passing, I kept revisiting some of the older stuff that had meant a lot to me in the years before, and, uh, 
Yeah. Ever since then, he's just been a huge building block for me as far as music goes. I haven't listened to him as much in the last two or three years as I used to, but um, when I was deciding to choose um, an artist to rank the albums of next, I was like, I, I really need to do David Bowie um, just because I feel like it would be really fun. Um, I've had, of all of the artists I've done, I've spent the most time with his music in particular, so I feel you know, I'm not an expert. I'm just, I'm just some 26 year old guy just rambling. Um, I don't know everything, but I, I feel like I know a decent amount and, um, you know, just thought this would be a fun one to tackle. Um, of course, if you don't know David Bowie, you're probably living under a rock. You definitely know the song Let's Dance, probably China Girl too. Um, those are big radio staples. Um, and then if you know a little bit more than that, you probably know you know, some of the Ziggy Stardust stuff, of course, Space Oddity. Um, he just had so, he had so many hits. It's just, uh, you know, as we go through this, I'm going to be like, that one was a hit and that one was a hit. Just kind of like I did with Tom Petty. Of course, I don't know. I don't think Tom, I don't think Tom Petty and David Bowie had the same amount of like big radio hits that you hear out in public, but you know, still, um, yeah, really excited to do this. And, um, yeah, like I said, we've got 26 albums, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into my ranking now. So, one thing that most people know about David Bowie is that he was a true musical chameleon, just constantly changing his style, changing genres throughout his career. Of course, later, kind of settling into a more specific thing, but even then, not really. Um, but especially, like, from the 60s to the 80s, that man just changed a lot, um, covering everything from, you know, weird novelty children's music to, uh, you know, glam rock to just hard rock in general to what he called plastic soul, which is basically just a white person singing soul music, um, that was kind of his funny joke on that, to, you know, experimental, kind of ambient adjacent music, to just straight up, like, pop, to kind of combining all of these things into one eventually, um, just revolutionizing alternative music as a whole, and, uh, you know, as the years go by and keep going by, he's just being more solidified as a legacy act, and uh, he really deserves that. But everybody has um, everybody has some beginning, and for David Bowie, even in spite of being one of my favorite artists of all time, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the very first album. Uh, of course, I'm talking about David Bowie, the self-titled album from 1967. Um, he might honestly hold the record for the most insane musical glow-up of all time. And here we are at his, I guess you could say, humble beginnings. Um, at, yeah, we've got number 26, the self-titled. Um, it's almost unbelievable what comes in the years after this. Um, even on the next album in 1969, you can't believe this is the same guy. And then two to three years later, he's become mind-blowing, just transcending what he had done before, um, and basically inventing a new genre of music. 
And then even 10 years after that, it's even more insane. Um, he would have already excelled in a few more different musical genres by then, but, you know, let me calm down, not get too ahead of myself. This, uh, I will humbly admit, is the only David Bowie album I straight up do not like, and I'm sorry to any of the fans out there who do enjoy this, but most of all, I'm sorry to Bowie because, of course, he would go on to make quite a few of my all-time favorite albums, and I do feel like that makes up for this easily. Um, on this album, he was fresh out of being in his first teenage slash young adult bands, uh, being only 20 years old here, and he was obsessed with being a mime, which would be important to his theatrics later on, but for now, maybe not. Um, when he wasn't being a mime, he was making these odd, extremely English, like, novelty children's type of songs, um... Maybe I would get it more if I was also a young lad and we owe England uh, back in 1967, but then again, I don't know. Psych Rock was already in full swing at this time, so I probably would have been into that instead. Um, there are a few moments on here that I don't really seek out, but I guess they're kind of sort of okay, like When I Live My Dream and Love You Till Tuesday. Um, they sort of make me cringe a little bit, but of the whole album, they make me cringe probably the least. Um, and other than that, we're on a varying scale that starts with, okay, I'm turning this off, this is just not my thing, and ends with, I'm gonna jab my fucking eardrums out, please turn it off. Um, examples for that being Uncle Arthur, uh, please Mr. Gravedigger, where he's singing with a runny nose. Um, she's got medals, and my favorite one to make fun of, Join the Gang, where he hits the weirdest note I've ever heard in my life. Now he plays our game! Uh, uh, yeah, when these songs blow, I, I feel like I'm being locked in a basement and tortured by a small, aggressively British cartoon man. Um, just not a fan of this one at all. Um, as far as a rating goes, I would have to go with a 1.5 out of 5, maybe a 2, I guess. Um, sorry, Bowie, I love you. Uh, like I said, one of my all-time favorite artists, but just never been able to get into this album, even back in the day. Just, I don't know, didn't do it for me. I maybe don't hate it as much as I did in high school, but still, not a huge fan. Uh, so yeah, number 26, self-titled from 1967. Number 25, we've got Earthling from 1997. Um, and for me, this is the biggest head-scratcher of his later career records. Um, I will say, uh, big step up from the very bottom spot. Um, I think this record's okay, but I just don't find myself to be a huge fan of this extremely 90s, dated, rapid, drum and bass kind of sound. Um, I think objectively he does fine over it. Like there's nothing on here where I'm like, uh, just I hate this. I don't like it. Like the uh very first album, but yeah, it's just it's just not my genre really. Um you know not making me feel anything super negative, but it just kinda puts me in a lull. Um it feels like there's so much going on that it eventually feels claustrophobic, but also in a sleepy kind of way. Um 
I don't know, the biggest fault of this album for me is just having so little to say about it. Um, Little Wonder is good, um, Dead Man Walking is fine, and of course I'm Afraid of Americans is a pretty big standout track um, featuring Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. Um, definitely the best of the bunch. Um, pretty great barn burner of a track. Um, going full on industrial rock with this really huge meaty chorus. Um, it's got one of his coolest music videos too. Um, obviously featuring Trent Reznor in the music video. It's pretty funny. Uh, it's kind of creepy, but it's it's got a certain sense of humor that I like about it a lot. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I wish I could say more about this album, but just, it, it's fine. Uh, like I said, just not a huge fan of this style of music. Um, I've got it at a very light three out of five. Uh, maybe one day it'll click for me, but for now, Earthling at 25. Yep. Number 24, we've got Reality from 2003. This one is a bit weird for me. I probably listened to it twice back in high school and just didn't latch on to anything. Um, it feels like the most agreeable, or I don't know if that's the word, just kind of standard Bowie album in a long time. Uh, not by terms of quality, but just as far as the sound goes. Um, I like to think of it as sort of his legacy album because this was around the last time he would ever tour in his life and he would be in these huge arenas playing all of his classic hits as well as some of these new songs. And these new songs basically sound exactly how you'd imagine an aging Bowie trying to rock and roll like the old days. Uh, New Killer Star is a good tune that reminds me of those old glam rock days with all of the space lyrics, of course, and I'm sure it's intentional, but one of the uh, guitar lines kind of reminds me of that old song. Uh, I love him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why. I always hear that when I hear this song. Uh, maybe it was intentional, maybe it wasn't. Um, the cover of Pablo Picasso, originally by uh, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, is a fun track. Um, it's just cool for the sake of hearing him cover songs that he likes, and the fact that he's pulling a Modern Lovers song out, um, it's pretty novelty, pretty cool, and uh, I do think he improves on the original a little bit. Uh, then we have Never Get Old, which is very celebratory, and you know, feels autobiographical knowing that he was in the height of touring at, like I said, these big stadiums as a middle-aged rocker dad. Uh, She'll Drive the Big Car kind of feels like his take on writing a Bruce Springsteen type of song. I like the strange backing vocals and the claps and the strange kind of muffled effect on his vocals. Um, and the harmonica is pretty fantastic. Uh, easily the best part of the song. And as far as the rest of this album goes, I just, I don't know. Um, like all of these low Bowie albums, uh, except for the first one, uh, none of it really sounds bad to me, but I can't find myself remembering a lot of these tracks as many times as I listen. Uh, while they're on, they're fine, but it's easy for them to get outshined with as many amazing songs as he made. Um, for right now, I've got this one at a 3 out of 5. Um, that's Reality from 2003 at 24.
At number 23, we've got Never Let Me Down from 1987. I almost feel bad not being more into this as I usually take it upon myself to find albums from famous musicians that people shit all over and be like, this is actually really good, guys. Um, and while I don't think this record is necessarily bad, the original production does weigh on you after a full listen, uh, definitely honing that very specific 80s sound that people who say they hate the 80s are thinking of. Um, as far as production and mixing goes, the 2018 version is much better in comparison and does do justice um, uh, to this album, but also maybe not enough to make a world of difference. Um, because I think some of these songs just can't really be saved, unfortunately. And uh, as far as this goes, I am going to go off the original mix since I've, I've done that with every record here. Um, another reason I feel bad about not liking this more is because upon release, Bowie considered this album his baby. Um, he was clearly very proud of it, um, even embarking on an entire vegas type drama to the extreme type of tour uh, named after the song glass spider now i will say i love what footage i've seen from that tour um he seems on top of his game as far as performing goes um but yeah apparently he did later on say that he didn't really like the album so i'm not really sure how he felt about it ultimately um but his praise never ended as far as i know for the song time will crawl um, he considered it one of his best songs on multiple occasions, and you know what? The man said it, and he was right. Uh, Time Will Crawl is a masterpiece. It has everything you think of when you think of a great 80s Bowie song. Loud, bombastic drums, a grand hook, incredible saxophone. Apparently he was going for a Neil Young thing on the vocals, which I can kind of see. Um, just a really awesome track, um, one that I think gets overlooked a little bit too much uh in comparison to the you know stuff from let's dance um if you like 80s bowie and uh you haven't heard the song definitely check it out um other fairly good tracks on here are the title track never let me down which has a great harmonica that reminds me of dare i say a new career in a new town from low uh, and there's really groovy percussion and bass that sort of recalls Talking Heads. Um, it's cheesy as hell, but fun if you can get past the cheese, which I know I can. Um, Shining Star is really aggressively 80s cheese, too. Um, it almost sounds like he's trying to make his own kind of 80s jam, boogie, funky type of song. Um, I love the cartoonish vocals and the really fast-paced drums and that slinky guitar. Uh, the speaking part is fun, too. New York's in Love is alright. Um, kind of feels like what if Bowie wrote his own version of We Built This City by Starship. Um, and now that I think about it, the song Zeroes has that feeling too. Uh, Bang Bang has some corny but kind of epic 80s guitar soloing and backup vocals. Uh, but it sounds extremely claustrophobic even with the new mix. Um, I don't know, it's just a little bit too lost in all of that. Um, and everything else we get here really isn't as bad as people make it out to be, but it's definitely not that impressive either. 
Um, I kind of expected to lead a huge revisionist movement on this album and be like, actually, Never Let Me Down is amazing, but I can't really in my heart do that. Um, but I can say it's about a three out of five, though. Um, and I, I think number 23 is a pretty good spot for it. And up next is the first take that's probably going to make people uh, pretty upset. But uh, it's just how I feel at the end of the day. I've got number 22, The Man Who Sold the World from 1970. I'm not sure why, but I've never been too big on this album. Uh, that being said, I acknowledge that it's objectively good music in the grand scheme of things. And it's easily a step towards where he ultimately needed to be. Um, it feels like you're getting somewhere further here when you look at his career in chronological order. Um, this is considered the first of the glam adjacent records, but I don't think anyone calls it full on glam rock either, uh, like Ziggy Stardust, of course. It's more just straight up hard rock. Um, I've heard someone say it sounds like if Black Sabbath black, uh, backed up Bowie, which makes me wish I liked it more. Um, I hate to be that annoying guy who complains, ooh, the mixing, ooh, the production, I don't like it. But uh, I will admit there is a certain thinness to this record sound that I think holds me back a little bit. I don't know if it's just my speakers or my headphones, but I don't think it is. I don't know. Uh, maybe I need to check out the big uh, deluxe reissue from the last few years. Um, but you know, like with the last album I talked about, I figured since I'm judging all of these based on the original release, I would just go with that here. Um, I should also mention that this album is the first appearance of guitarist Mick Ronson, who of course would be extremely important to Bowie as the years rolled along. Uh, getting into some of the songs, Width of a Circle is a eight minute long epic that I think showcases Mick Ronson's guitar skills extremely well. Um, if you want Bowie doing some kind of long, drawn out, mythical Led Zeppelin type of jamming, this song is for you. Uh, really good live, especially in the Ziggy movie. Um, the original version of title track, Man Who Sold the World, is alright. Um, it's one of very few famous Bowie songs that I don't find myself going back to often. Um, I guess I'm just spoiled by the Nirvana Unplugged cover, which I believe even Bowie himself said was better. Uh, she Shook Me Cold is easily the best song on here, just, uh, really insane, raunchy, hard rock piece with a crazy acid blues rock inspired guitar solo. They wanted to kick ass and give it their all on this song, and you can really tell. Um, and this is also a rare instance of a Bowie song being labeled metal, which I find pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Everything else is good. Um, I can get into the Supermen and all the Mad Men too, but as a full listen, I just haven't clicked with this one as a whole album yet. Um, maybe someday I will. I just uh, not really finding it in me right now, and I know I'm going to get shit for placing it so low, but it is what it is. Um, I've got it at a 3 out of 5. Still a pretty positive score. I mean, it's not up as high as it could be, but it is what it is. 22, Man Who Sold the World from 1970. 21, we've got Pinups from 1973. 
This is one I used to actually hate when I was a teenager because I felt like it was sort of the only blemish on that really insane stretch of albums from 1971 to 1983 and 1984 in my opinion, but let's hold that for later. Uh, but now, late in my 20s, I've come around to it somewhat. Um, it was basically birthed as an attempt to appease Bowie's record label, but you know, since he had to do that, he decided to have some fun with it, playing covers of 60s bands that inspired him as a teen, with most of the members who played with him on the Ziggy Stardust tour, and really, it just sounds like the guy's letting loose and trying to have some fun. Uh, Rosalind has the upbeat, dirty rockin' feel that makes you feel like you're just playing air guitar and rockin' out in your bedroom. Here Comes the Night has an extreme level of theatricality that I love, and the horns on it sound pretty kick-ass. Uh, and he covers one song here by a few lads you may have heard of, Pink Floyd. And to me, it's not the fireworks you would expect from that, but it's alright. Um, you have to remember he's pulling from the earliest days of the band, the Sid Barrett era. Uh, this song, of course, being See Emily Play. I Can't Explain by The Who gets that kind of soulful glam rock treatment, and it's a close second favorite track on the record. Um, the band slows it down to make it sound like it would fit right at home next year on the Diamond Dogs tour. Uh, then, of course, we have the cover of The Mercy's track, Sorrow, which is easily the best song here. Uh, I got obsessed with this song in 2016. Something about Bowie crooning in that deep voice about your long blonde hair and your eyes of blue. Um, along with that sax solo in the middle of the song just really does something for me. I, I love this track. Um, Shapes of Things is pretty good too, but the way he sings Shapes uh, makes me laugh pretty hard every time. And yeah, just about everything else on here I'd slot between decent and pretty good. Um, I've got this one at a three maybe could be a 3.5 one day I don't know um, but it has grown on me um, it probably would have been at the bottom with the first album back in the day but I've come around to it uh, 21 pinups from 1973 I'm about to make people upset again at number 20 I've got Space Oddity from 1969 Bowie changed things up and tightened his act up real quick with this one um, to the point where this is considered his first real album instead of what was technically the first. Um, this time he was going for a straight up folky sound with themes around, of course, space. Um, who doesn't love the title track on this thing? It's respectively in the top five most famous Bowie songs. You probably know it even if you don't think you have heard it. Um, it's the classic tale as old as time, Major Tom getting lost in space and sending his last message to Earth. And of course, that's something thematically that would carry into the rest of his career, even to his final album. Um, I have a special attachment to this song primarily because it was an early song for me to learn on guitar. And more specifically, it was the first, uh, more specifically, it was the first song I learned with bar chords. Uh, because of that really amazing breakdown, the dun da dun da dun da dun dun. Um, I, I love that really uh, gorgeous distorted saxophone solo on this song too, and 
the strings that follow it. Of course, it's, I mean, it makes sense why this is one of his biggest songs. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and now, believe it or not, there are other songs on this record, too. Ones that I think are also good. Uh, Janine is a pleasant little kind of soft rock love song with a really great chugling rhythm and a cool-ass guitar solo. It's a cool little detour from the long odyssey of the rest of the album. Uh, Signet Committee is one of those long acoustic journeys among the odyssey, clocking in at a whopping nine minutes. Um, it feels like his own take on a long-ass, poetic, eerily vague, but meaningful song like Desolation Row, which he sort of name-drops in the lyrics. Uh, then we have Wild-Eyed Boy from Free Cloud. Uh, it's kind of a tongue twister, uh, which got a really amazing treatment in the Ziggy Stardust live concert film uh, that I mentioned earlier. But the original source material here is pretty enchanting itself. Um, it's kind of like he learned how to take the cinematic storytelling from the first record, but learned how to do it tastefully, in my opinion, and... Uh, he learned how to make it more adult, and I don't know, I just really love the strings on this one. Uh, it just sounds really enchanting. Uh, then we have Memory of a Free Festival, which has a pretty epic, rousing sing-along for the last half of uh, its seven-minute runtime. Just that alone, I think, would be considered one of his best album closers. Uh, it sounds like a room of friends just singing, The sun machine is coming down, and we're gonna have and everything else on this record is fine, but none of it calls me back for another listen, really. Uh, like I said, this might make people upset, but I just, I don't know. I can't bring myself to place this album much higher uh, than number 20 for now. Um, I've got this one kind of sitting between 3 and 3.5. Uh, yeah, number 20, Space Oddity from 1969. Number 19, we've got Outside from 1995. Now, here's an album that, while it's still down here towards the bottom, I can at least say that I've made some progress with it. I've never hated it, but I always just kind of thought, what the hell is this? Um, now knowing that it's essentially a concept record with a very well thought out story, which creates a bridge between... David Lynch type surrealism and some kind of graphic novel uh, type of thing. Um, I have this newfound kind of grown-up appreciation for it. Uh, don't get me wrong though, I still think this thing is pretty bloated, um, clocking in at well over an hour in length. Um, and it's not likely that I'm going to listen to this entire thing in one sitting again, at least not for a while. Uh, the music is peak, weird, glitchy, but eerie, 1990s Bowie, and, you know, some moments are pretty awesome, um, but the rest kind of drag on a bit too much to the point where I just can't really bring myself to pay much attention, uh, but I don't know, I don't hate it either. Uh, some songs I do like are uh, Heart's Filthy Lesson, which has this doom and gloom, spooky, kind of industrial sound. Uh, I really dig the bass on it. Hollow Space Boy is insane. Um, kind of feels like being in a rocket ship that's crashing down to Earth at lightning speed just while you're scrambling around trying to find a way to stop it even though you can't. Uh, no Control is a really nice vocal showcase for Bowie. 
he's not doing anything acrobatic as far as the singing goes, but it just displays a really impressive range between the kind of nasally vocals on the chorus and then the, you know, famous Bowie, deep Elvisy type of croon on the verses. Um, and it's all over this really cool driving but chill kind of ambient instrumental. Uh, the chorus of We Prick You always gives me a good laugh. Tell the truth. We prick you, we prick you, we prick you. Um, not much more to say about it other than that. It's a kind of funny song. Um, I'm Deranged is a kick-ass creepy tune that I can now only associate with the movie Lost Highway uh, due to the uh, credits scene in that movie. Speaking of David Lynch, uh, when I hear it, I can only think of, of course, that final shot of the highway at night at rapid speed. Um, it's so chaotic and unhinged and his really deep crooning over the electronic sounds feels like an early gesture of what he would do much later with Black Star. Uh, then we have Strangers When We Meet, which is uh, an updated version of an earlier track. It's the final song and it kind of feels like a little breath of fresh air after the rest of the album being sort of unnerving and like I said, creepy. Um, it's got really lovely piano, lovely vocals, and uh, I especially love the guitar on it. It's kind of weird because it borders on that adult contemporary pop rock sound that I'll talk more about soon, but it somehow works with the strangeness of the rest of the album. Like, it doesn't totally sound out of place. Um, and as for the other songs, there are 13 or 14 other tracks that... I've had a hard time getting into, especially since they're very based in telling the story of the album, but at some point I will come back, and I, I think I need to really, like, read along to some sort of guide as I listen to this, and maybe something else will click, but like I said, I have come quite a long way with this album. I feel like back in the day, this would have placed pretty low for me, um, but yeah, still for now, I I've got it, uh, in between a 3 and a 3.5 still. I'm not really sure where to go on that, but we're pushing 3.5, so I guess I'll say that for now. Uh, yeah, that's 19 Outside from 1995. Number 18, uh, we have Buddha of Suburbia from 1993. And honestly, this one is kind of tied with Outside. I couldn't really decide which one I liked more of the two of them. Um... It's one of two or three records that I just completely looked over when I was a teen. I pretty much forgot it existed until I decided to listen through all of these, and I'm glad I found it. Um, it doesn't necessarily blow me away, but it's honestly just a really relaxing vibe, um, full of just pleasant, kind of electronic, R&B, jazz, adult contemporary sounds. Uh, venturing into kind of light experimentation at times, but, you know, nothing like we get on outside or anything, and uh, not enough to scare anyone away, in my opinion. Um, it sounds extremely dated, extremely 90s, but there's something about that that I kind of like. Um, I haven't seen what this was a soundtrack for, but I can get a pretty good idea of what it would be from the overall sound. The title track uh, slash opener has this really dreamy guitar, and I love all the layers of vocals. 
Um, and this album, of course, has the original version of Strangers When We Meet, which I just talked about. Um, and this one is nice, but uh, I think it was improved a little bit more with the outside version, to be honest. Uh, Dead Against It has this gorgeous jangly guitar over pulsating electric beats. Um, it sort of puts me in the same headspace as I feel when I listen to The Stone Roses uh, for some reason. Um, it also feels in line with what a lot of indie bands are doing nowadays. Uh, Untitled Number One is a really beautiful, upbeat, ambient pop that honestly almost makes me think of Vaporwave and how numbing and nostalgic it feels. It feels like it would play in a liminal space video or something. Um, and again, I really like all of the strange effects on his voice here. And, uh, I don't know, this is a hard one to pick apart song by song, because I kind of just put it on and just get lost. Um, you could honestly almost fall asleep to this record. It's, uh, really spacey, and when it is upbeat, it's still not really in your face. Um, it's honestly hard, like I said, to pick apart the songs on it, um, it just feels like one long continuous piece, um, but yeah, not in a bad way at all. It's just uh, what I like to call a vibe record. Um, brings me back down to earth every time I listen. Um, another one I would say is in between 3 and 3.5, um, but I'm going to go ahead and say 3.5, uh, just like I did with Outside. Uh, yeah, that's Buddha of Suburbia at number 18 from 1993. Number 17, we've got hours from 1999. This was another record that I think took me aging 10 years to really get into and it seems like something that could only grow more with time. Uh, not to say I'm blown away by this album but yeah I just like it a lot more with aged ears. Um, this is later Bowie at his most adult contemporary. Um, of course there are still kind of weird elements. Um, when I Excuse me, when I listen to this one again, I realize this is basically like the David Bowie album for when you're getting a little older and you work in an office now, but you have this like alien poster hanging up on a wall in your little cubicle. Um, the sounds on here are just extremely pleasant to the ears. Uh, there's nothing on here that would offend anybody, and I think even the haters of this album would agree with that. Um, the biggest complaint it gets is just people finding it kind of boring, I guess. Uh, Thursday's Child sounds extremely smooth, um, easily my favorite song on the record. Uh, it's got this breezy synth sound and groovy drum beat that makes you feel like you're floating. Uh, his vocals sound pretty awesome here, and I love the female backing vocals behind him, uh, especially the really uh, soulful belting ones that pop up here and there. Uh, and most of this album keeps up that chill atmosphere, uh, groovy bass lines on Something in the Air, uh, silky acoustic guitars on Survive and Seven. Uh, what's really happening recalls that wailing electric guitar sound from the late 70s, and Brilliant Adventure reminds me of the second half of Low and Heroes a little bit, the ambient stuff. And, uh, you know... Other than those songs, this is not an album I feel I can pick apart for a very long time, but it's definitely one of those higher mid-albums for Bowie. Uh, don't believe anyone who just shits all over this one. Um, 
It's just because it's not the most memorable record in his catalog, but I think it's still a solid one. Um, I've got this one uh, at a 3.5 out of 5. That's 17 with hours from 1999. Number 16, we've got Heathen from 2002. I put this record and reality together in my brain just because they were released only one year apart from each other. Um, and this one doesn't blow my socks off either, but it's definitely a step up from reality in my opinion. Uh, both albums have songs I don't particularly go back to, as well as songs I really enjoy. And I think the highlights on this one are a lot stronger. Um, those highlights, of course, including the cover of Pixie's song Cactus. Uh, I fucking love this cover. It's just so awesome to hear David Bowie himself covering a Pixie song, especially knowing that Pixies probably weren't as famous in 2002 as they would end up being. Um, his vocal performance on this is just electric and kicks ass. Uh, Slip Away, uh, which is a really slow building dramatic rocker that kind of feels like being stranded out at sea in the middle of a thunderstorm. Uh, I like the cinematic strings and when he belts out, uh, just really gets to me. Uh, Slow Burn is pretty awesome, uh, especially on the instrumental side. It has a really killer guitar solo and I love the saxophone highlighting the electric guitars. Uh, reminds me a lot of the early 70s material. I've Been Waiting For You is a, you know, pretty standard bluesy rocker, but the band does a pretty good job of providing a huge sense of drama with the instrumentation. Uh, I like how the chorus makes you feel like you're floating. I Would Be Your Slave has these drums that I believe are real, but the way they're played makes them almost feel like that glitchy electronic sound that he had before. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, of course, again, I love the strings on this one, but easily the biggest highlight on this record, and the last one I'll talk about uh, in particular is Everyone Says Hi. I kind of can't believe no one mentions this song as one of his best. It's a really cool blend of the electronic and organic sounds. It's got these chill but kind of funky acoustic and electric guitar chords, uh, simps and gorgeous swelling strings. Um, and over top of that, Bowie sings these really sweet, comforting lyrics to a loved one who's far away, reassuring them that people at home still care about them and ask about them and think about them, uh, including uh, the girl next door, the guy upstairs, your mom and dad, and he even sings uh, your big fat dog, uh, which always makes me laugh. And I fucking love the bridge of this song with that sort of doo-wop backing vocal thing and that really soaring electric guitar. Um, I really owe a lot to the song for helping me get through some tough times uh, a few years back. Um, it's probably a top 10 or at least top 20 David Bowie song for me. Uh, just really means a lot to me. And uh, yeah, other than that, I, I like pretty much every other song on here. But uh, you know, again, nothing that blows me away, nothing I really think about a whole lot, but, you know, we're moving on up in terms of quality here, um, and I'd like to come back to this album more often. Um, probably the last 3.5 out of 5 album um, could maybe move up to a 4 at some point, um, but yeah, like I said, 
We're moving up a score from here. Uh, the next one is going to be a 4 out of 5. Uh, we've got Heathen at number 16 from 2002. Number 15, we've got my most irritating contrarian take so far. We've got Tonight from 1984. This is... By far the most unfairly hated Bowie record, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not going to act like this album is just profound and nobody gets it. Um, it really is just an album pushed out to keep up the massive success of the previous record, Let's Dance. And there's only one song on here that people seem to regard as some kind of masterpiece. The other songs on here... Uh, well, okay, they're mostly covers and filler with extra cheese, but the thing is, this is good cheese. If you like the 80s Bowie who danced around in a Pepsi commercial with Tina Turner, there's no real reason to shit on this album, if you ask me. Um, but that one song that anyone seems to give a shit about on this album is Loving the Alien, which, you know, to their credit, is probably the best song on here. It carries the strange, eerie sci-fi imagery from the old glam rock days and updates it to this lush, pristine 80s sound. I just love the texture of this song. The electric guitars, drums, strings, and marimba are all perfect. And, you know, underneath all the layers of the 80s production, the raw chord progression is just gorgeous. Um, Something that I think would become evident as he would continue changing up the song while playing it live. And he obviously, just like Time Will Crawl from uh, Never Let Me Down, he obviously saw something really special with this song because he played it live uh, quite a bit, I think. I, I could be wrong, but it seemed like he had some sort of uh, reverence for this song. Um... And other than that, there are three Iggy Pop covers here. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Iggy Pop was in the studio a bit during this. Uh, the covers include Don't Look Down, which has a really nice floaty reggae vibe. People criticize the reggae thing on here, but I think it's fine. I, I like it. Uh, then we have the song Tonight, which is uh, cheesed up to the extreme 8 -8. 80s uh, kind of reggae love ballad um, that features Tina Turner and also would become a live favorite. There's a really nice uh, wholesome version um, of them performing the song together live. I think it's at her concert and she brings him out. Uh, and then we have Neighborhood Threat which uh, feels truest to that classic raw Iggy Pop energy. And uh, there are two other covers here, God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, uh, the original being one of my all-time favorite songs. And honestly, as cheesy as you want to make this version out to be, I think Bowie does a pretty good job with it. Uh, his vocal performance is really passionate, and I love the horns and strings on it. Um, I love the, I may not always love you. I don't know, I just, I, I love when he gets down like that, and it's silly, it's cheesy, but the song itself is just so good that even with all of the extra cheese added on, I, I think it's, it's, it's still really good for what it is, um, and you, you, it's not fair to compare it to the original, you know, um, 
The other cover is, of course, I Keep Forgetting by Chuck Jackson. Uh, I think there's also that famous version that Michael McDonald did. Really like that version. Um, maybe more than this one, but I like this one too. Uh, Bowie does this really goofy Elvisy thing. I keep forgetting you don't want me no more. Um, it's really fun. Um, and Blue Jean is also on here, uh, which was actually the other single on here that uh, wasn't loving the alien. And uh, it featured a really long ass music video uh, under the name Jasmine for Blue Jean. It's basically supposed to be a short film uh, inspired by how Michael Jackson's thriller was also basically a short film. Um, and it sounds right at home with those really big bombastic singles from Let's Dance, uh, thanks to that really explosive chorus. Uh, then we have Tumble and Twirl, which is uh, another original that's fine, but I could take or leave it. Uh, same with Dancing with the Big Boys, which is just straight up hilarious. I love that deep voice going, uh, Big Boys, in the background. It always makes me laugh my ass off. Um, this is just a fun record. I, I don't think it's meant to be taken like as some sort of artistic masterpiece. It's just his big, you know, trying to follow up that big commercial breakthrough in the 80s with more just kind of, you know, of that same stuff. Maybe not done as well as Let's Dance, but I still really like it. Um, and honestly, I've got this one at a four out of five. Um, just let the man cut loose a little bit. Um, it's far from a one star out of five, like some people give it. I, I think it gets too much shit. But yeah, that's tonight from 1984 at number 15 with four stars. And the last one for part one at number 14, we've got Lodger from 1979. Now, don't let this technically being the weakest of the so-called Berlin Trilogy, aka Low, Heroes, and Lodger, uh, steer you away from this record, um, because I think this record is pretty awesome, and I love the different sounds he experiments with on here. Um, there's no pretty instrumentals paving the way for ambient music, but... There are really great late 70s pop gems in here with really unique production on top of just really interesting songwriting with different musical styles from around the world. Uh, the three biggest songs on here are, of course, Boys Keep Swinging, obviously uh, a guy's anthem with roaring guitars and pounding drums, uh, lyrics about just being a cool guy and hanging out with other cool guys, celebrating how cool it is to be a guy. Um, there also seems to be a bit of irony to it with how on the nose it is, and of course with the music video being, uh, um, you know, Bowie dressing up in drag and stuff, um, obviously adding a whole other layer to the meaning. Uh, then we have DJ, which is a really great song, really awesome music video for this song where Bowie is just acting bonkers in a studio. Um, it's got one of those qualities in a Bowie song that I love. You just feel cool as hell listening to it, uh, like you can walk the streets of a city late at night with this blaring in your headphones. Uh, look Back in Anger, which has such a good vocal performance. Um, you know who I am, he said. Um, he's got this sort of awkward backing track that's clearly hear him just singing along to himself. Um, it adds a wonky charm to the track. Um, the drums on it are also fantastic, and 
I love the bounce between the waiting so long I've been waiting this the kind of nasally vocals and then the uh you know like I was just singing the look back in anger uh and then other songs I love on here are uh Move On, which kind of feels like a sister song to Cities by Talking Heads, uh, which I believed was released the same, believe was released the same year. Uh, just a cool, vibey, new wave song about traveling the world with these hypnotic backing vocals and great electric guitars and again, great percussion. Uh, African Night Flight is one of those world music type of songs. Uh, Bowie's single attempt at making sort of a an Afrobeat type of song. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but I love it. Um, he's also reciting the lyrics so fast, it's almost like he's rapping, so I guess it's also the closest you get to a Bowie rap song. Um, might be the coolest experiment on here, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, Assassin, I used to hate, but now I kind of like it. Uh, blends language and strings from Turkish culture uh, with reggae. Um, uh, there's something pretty charming about this one. Uh, then we have Fantastic Voyage, which is probably the simplest track on here. Um, a very pleasant opener that is honestly pretty misleading for what you're actually going to get on the rest of the album. It's just got piano, electric guitar, and a little 60s Phil Spector type of drum beat. Um, I really love how chill his vocals are on this one. Um, and I really enjoy all the other tracks on here as well. Um, this is yet another one that took me aging to understand more because I pretty much used to write off anything that wasn't Boys Keep Swinging. And uh, yeah, I've got this one sitting between 4 and a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, I'm going to go with a 4 for now, but really, I mean, anything uh, from here on out is highly recommended. Um, you know, the fact that he has so many great albums in his discography is a true testament to how good of an artist he was. And uh, yeah, that's going to cap it off for part one, like I said in the opening. Uh, just didn't want this to be too much of a slog of an episode. Uh, felt better to just break it up into two parts. Uh, when I come back, I'm going to be talking about uh, the top 13 albums um, a week from now. So Stay tuned for that, and uh, thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, you're the best, you're the best, as Anthony Fantano would say. Thanks, and see you next time.